once again, welcome to Living Hope Church. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Uh, today we are continuing in our sermon series that we've called Summer in the Psalms. And today and over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying a psalm that you likely know um, or at least some degree familiar with. This is a psalm the great English preacher Charles Spurgeon called the Pearl of the Psalms. Um, it's a psalm that has been repeated at countless funerals. And for many, it has been the last words they heard or the last words they said before passing from this earth. It's a psalm that has applied comfort for many on their most difficult of days. It's also a psalm that has been repeated and has led many as they headed out to battle. It has been repeated, chanted, and prayed in locker rooms for years. Uh, even growing up in Portland, Oregon, a city that is not Christian and in many ways is anti-Christian, in my public high school of 2,000 plus kids, we would repeat Psalm 23 along with the Lord's Prayer before we exited for a big game. We, of course, memorized it in the King James, so we didn't know what we were saying, but it was a good luck charm that we said nonetheless. Psalm 23 is believed to be the most known passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, and it is a psalm that many of us know, but I would guess that few of us have studied or have taken time to understand the depth of what is offered to us. Three or four years ago, uh, we as a church spent some time studying Psalm 23. Uh, and I'll be honest, it was the first time in my life that I had studied the passage in depth. And in its commonality, for me at least, I had missed the truth, the depth of the comfort, the vastness of the wisdom that David has left us. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to study Psalm 23. And in this study, I hope to draw out some of the wisdom, the comfort, the guidance, the truth, the depth and the rhythm that Psalm 23 lays out for what it looks like to follow Jesus. And for those of us that were here the last time we studied this passage, I hope to draw out some new insights along with the foundational truths of Psalm 23 that ground us and encourage us in our walk. So in this life, we walk through times of peace. We walk through green pastures, through highs and victories. But also in this life, we walk through dark valleys, through times of despair, of death, where it feels like life is crumbling around us. But what we see in Psalm 23 is that no matter what we are walking through, we can trust that if we are a follower of Jesus, that he is with us, that he is leading us, and that he is leading us on right paths. He is our shepherd, our provider, our protector, our prosperer, the lover and sustainer of our souls, and he leads us to good. So if you'll turn to Psalm 23, we'll read this uh, most uh, famous psalm of David. It begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture that you have left us. That provides so much insight into how you desire to lead us and guide us through this life. That provides comfort and encouragement. But also draws us out to follow you more closely. So God, I pray that as we study this passage that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us today. That if anyone here doesn't know you, that they would begin a relationship where they uh, begin to follow you as their shepherd, as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would draw us uh, closer to you through your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So in this passage, there's a lot of themes, there's a, a lot of different phases of life that David walks us through, and we're going to touch on those in the coming weeks. But for today, I just want to look at kind of the overarching theme of the psalm. And the overarching theme of the psalm is that God is the shepherd, and you and I as the sheep are intimately and personally led through this life by God. And in that, we see how God leads us and where he leads us. But the theme, the foundation for this passage is this relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And if you're unfamiliar with sheep, they are, are special animals that need a lot of tender, loving care. And they need a lot of TLC because they lack in the intelligence department. They are prone to wander. They will follow the leader even when the leader doesn't know when they are, where they are going. And they cannot provide for themselves. Without a shepherd leading them at all times, sheep get themselves into all sorts of trouble. They are easily distracted from where they are going. They have to be led to their food. They cannot forage on their own. Their hygiene must be kept for them. If the sheep aren't sheared, their wool will continue to grow until they can't bear the weight any longer. Sheep desire water, but then they're scared of the fast-flowing stream. So the shepherd must take them to the water and then dam it up to calm the stream so that they will drink. Without a shepherd, sheep get themselves into all sorts of trouble. And they do all sorts of stupid things. And it's for that exact reason that we, that you and I, are constantly called sheep throughout the Bible. A sheep, saith Aristotle, is a foolish, sluggish creature, aptest of anything to wander, though it feel no want, and unable to return. A sheep can make no shift to save itself from the tempest or the inundation. There it stands and will perish, if not driven by the shepherd. Charles Spurgeon said, The Lord is my shepherd. We must first feel ourselves to be sheep by nature. For he cannot know that God is a shepherd unless he feels himself, feels in himself that he has the nature of a sheep. We must relate to a sheep in its foolishness, its dependency, and its warped nature of its, well, of its will. This isn't a point, but really the, the first point we have to understand is that we are sheep by nature. We are sheep in need of guidance, in need of help, in need of provision and direction. In our self-sufficient, uh, self-reliant culture, this can be a hard truth, a hard reality to embrace. But as we saw last week, we might feel like we are in control. We might feel like we hold our own destiny. But the reality is if we believe that, we are like my toddler driving that Home Depot cart and believing that they're the one that makes it move. We have to understand our limitations, our frailty, the temporary nature of our life. And then we look to our creator, our sustainer. And the eternal God of the world who loves us, who sees beyond today, and who desires to lead us to good and to those things that nourish our soul. Without guidance, we will get ourselves stuck. We will wander down wrong paths. We will follow leaders we should not be following. We will find pleasure in things that are harmful to us. We will fail to feed our souls with what they need. Yet despite ourselves, the Bible tells us God loves us. He cares for us. And he desires to lead us intimately for our good and his glory. And that's this picture that we get, this intimate picture of the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. You see the love and the care that the shepherd has for the sheep, the protection and guidance he provides. David, the writer of this psalm, says he lacks nothing. Despite his limitations, his failures, his inability to provide for himself, he looks to the shepherd and he says he lacks nothing. He is content. What a beautiful place to be. So today we want to see how it is that God leads us as our good shepherd and how we can find our peace, our provision, our protection, our life in him. 
We want to see how we can have that kind of relationship with God that we could say we lack nothing. And so the first thing we see or the first way we see that, that God desires to lead us is in the context of relationship. God leads through relationship. And so in this psalm, we are the sheep and God is the shepherd. The sheep and the shepherd's relationship is a perfect metaphor for our life. And it is one that God uses throughout the Bible. We are the sheep and, in the, she- and the shepherd in this psalm is God. We are the sheep dependent on the provision protection, direction, and guidance of our shepherd. Living here in southwest Wyoming, we get to to see this at times, unlike most people in America. Driving down the interstate or the highway, it's not uncommon to see a herd of sheep, the old sheep herder's wagon, and then to see the shepherd on his horse with his dog looking over his flock. And in that, we see the intimacy of the relationship of the shepherd and his flock. There's such a huge difference between the sheep you see grazing on the side of the highway and the cattle you see grazing on the side of the highway. With the cattle, the rancher drops them off in the spring, checks on them occasionally, and might move them from time to time. But the sheep, on the other hand, cannot survive on their own. So what does a shepherd do? He moves his home in order to be with the sheep at all times. The sheep are at all times dependent on the shepherd in order to receive the protection guidance and provision they need to live they must constantly be in relationship with him the bible says the same is true with us we will wander from god if we are not in relationship with him moment by moment and day by day spurgeon again said of this psalm he said the sweetest word of this whole psalm is the word my he does not say the lord is the shepherd of the world at large and leadeth forth the multitude at his flock But it says the Lord is my shepherd. If he'd be a shepherd to no one else, he is the shepherd to me. He cares for me, he watches over me, and he preserves me. Isn't that amazing? The God of the universe knows me. That he knows you, and he desires to lead you moment by moment in a personal way. The God of the universe knows your name, and he desires to lead you personally through this life. He desires to lead your marriage, to lead your family, to lead your finances, to lead your stresses, to walk with you through the health crisis, through the relationship crisis. He is your shepherd and my shepherd, and he desires to lead me, and he desires to lead you daily through this life. In John 10, Jesus uses the same illustration of the sheep and the shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life. For the sheep. For the sheep to survive, the shepherd must constantly be in relationship with the sheep in order to lead them. Because when sheep are left to their own, they are prone to wander. In the same way, when we are not walking with God in relationship, we are very prone to wander. So often we want to handle life on our own. We want to make our own decisions, set our own priorities. And then on occasion, when the big decision comes up, we find ourselves backed into a corner. That's when we turn to God. But the example of a sheep and a shepherd is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment dependence. And David here and Jesus later says that's our model and the dependent nature of what it looks like to walk with God. So for some of us, the thing we need to see change in our life and in our, is, our, is our relationship with God. For some, you might have a, not have a relationship with God. And for others, your relationship might be kind of on again, off again, or only on occasion. But this psalm, the picture illustrates that God desires for our relationship to be moment by moment, day by day. 
So for some here or watching online, maybe the reason you don't feel like God is leading you is that because you have never began a relationship with him. And that's the message for you today. The Bible tells us quite simply that sin, the things that we do that go against God, they separate us from God and it severs our relationship with him. Sin prevents us from being in a relationship with God. But God, because he loves us and because he desires to be in relationship with us, he makes a way for that to happen through sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. It's a famous verse, and you probably know it, but John chapter 3, John writes, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But Christ's death and resurrection do not automatically accomplish a restored relationship between us and God. We must respond personally, sincerely, and with a commitment to turn away from our sin. The church word is repent. To acknowledge that Jesus and only Jesus can save us from our fallen condition and turn and trust him. So if you ever began a relationship with your good shepherd, or are you doing it on your own? We believe that following Jesus is the best and greatest decision you can make in your life. So if you've never began that relationship, would you do that today? Or would you take steps to find out who Jesus is and what it means to follow him? And after the service, if you'd like to talk with someone, I would love to talk with you about what it means. But God cannot be your good shepherd if you're not in relationship with him. So God leads and he guides in relationship. The second thing we talked about briefly, but he desires to lead us personally through this life moment by moment, day by day, step by step. So that's our second point. The good shepherd leads us step by step. God leads us in the context of a day by day, a moment by moment, step by step relationship so often when we think of God leading us we think of one of two things first of all we want God just to lead us when we need him we come to him when we want him to answer the big question of our lives when we have that job offer that we don't know what to do about we want to know God's will when we are deciding whether or not this person is the right person to marry we, we come to God when life is falling apart and we don't know what to do with a child or we have a parent that is struggling or a friend that has gone off the rails we come to God and we want to know what to do. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do. That's a good thing to come to God. It's absolutely the right thing to do. But God, like a shepherd, desires to lead you moment by moment, day by day, not just every couple of years when you have a big decision to make. The shepherd doesn't just pop in and check on his sheep every few months. That's what a rancher does. But the shepherd moves his home to be with the sheep, and he leads them hour by hour. That's not typically how we walk with God. We want him in the moment of crisis. We don't want him to lead in the everyday moments. But like the sheep and the shepherd, we must be close to the shepherd if we expect to know him, to know his voice, to know his truth, to know his will when that moment of crisis or difficulty comes. So that's one way. We want, we want God to lead us just when we need him. But the other thing we often want God to do is to give us that 30,000-foot airplane overlook of our lives. We don't desire to walk with God incrementally. We want God to tell us where we're going to be in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years. We want God's plan for our life, not God's plan for our day. But like the shepherd, he desires to lead us daily, moment by moment. Unlike that rancher who, whose cows know to move to the lower field when it gets cold. That's not the sheep. We have to be led step by step, day by day, season by season. And in that, we know that God leads us to bigger and better pastures than we would have ever dreamed for ourselves. The shepherd doesn't tell his sheep, I'll meet you at the summer grazing location in June. Instead, he leads them step by step, mile by mile, 
guiding them, preparing them, and protecting them as they head towards the grazing grounds. And that's the truth of any leader, teacher, and coach. They don't tell us where we are going and hope we figure it out. They lead, teach, coach day by day. One of the greatest coaches this world has ever known was the great John Wooden. He was the basketball coach at UCLA and won 10 national championships when he was there. And every year, new recruits would show up. They were the best of the best in high school. They had played basketball their whole lives. And they would show up at the first practice. And John Wooden would begin by teaching them how to properly put on their socks and their shoes. He would take them back to the basics and he would lead them step by step through the day, through the practice, and through the season. He didn't just recruit the best players, roll the ball out and say, go get them. He led them step by step, beginning with the basics. You think about a teacher. First grade is is when you begin to learn to read. The first grade teacher just doesn't hand them a stack of books and say, good luck. You need to have these read by the end of the year. No, day by day, in small increments, they teach their students the letters, the phonetic sounds they make. They begin to put letters together. They work on sounding them out. And then slowly, over the course of the year, they learn to read. That's how God desires to lead us. If God just gave us that 30,000-foot overlook of our lives, most of us would see that, and we would be scared, and we'd say, "Uh uh-uh, no thank you. God would have told me in high school and in college when I was 25 that I would be preaching every single Sunday. I would have taken a hard pass on that future. Some of you might wish I would have taken a hard pass, but here we are. That would have overwhelmed me. I would have been paralyzed by fear to move forward. But God led step by step. To a place that I couldn't have gotten on my own. And I'm sure that's your story too. Many of you have a similar story. Of how God has led you step by step to where you are. And if he would have told you 10 years ago. You would be where you are today. You would have said no thank you. And you'd still be living seeking the same safety. The same comfort. The same known that you lived in then. The sheep doesn't need to know where the pasture is. They don't even need to know where they are going. The sheep only needs to know where the shepherd is. Because he knows the shepherd is good. The shepherd cares for them. The shepherd will provide all they need. This is the truth with God as well. And this is the truth that provides peace in our world of chaos. If we will embrace our relationship with Jesus, our good shepherd, then it is like a balm to our restless and anxious hearts. We need God to lead us step by step, moment by moment. And when we follow him in that way, he leads us on good paths. Paths that are often different than we desire, but he leads us on good paths, and he is always faithful as he leads. So God leads in relationship, and he leads incrementally. One final thing we see in how God leads is this. God leads his, his sheep in the context of community. There are times that he leads the one, but the image of the shepherd and the sheep is that of a shepherd leading his flock. So God desires to shepherd us in community. God hasn't created us to live as self-isolating, self-reliant Christians, but he has designed us to live in community. And the primary way we do this today is in the context of the local church. We are designed to live life with a group of fellow believers that are learning with us, that are leading us to Jesus, and that are walking this life alongside us. Hebrews 10, 23-25 reads this. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are created to live life together, to learn from one another and to spur one another on to be more like Christ. 
And church is so much more than just Sunday, a Sunday morning sermon. But it's about encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's about praying for one another. It's about being reminded that I am not alone in this world. It's about picking one another up. It's caring and providing for each other's needs. It's about spurring one another to keep on in the faith. And spurring one another on to share the hope of Jesus with those they know and love. But to live like that, we have to be present and we have to be involved within the church. Right now in the summer, we have some great ways you can hop in and serve within the body. Today, we're heading up to Labar to set up, to decorate, and get ready for our mission trip and for VBS next week. Come and join us. In a few weeks, we'll have our own VBS kids camp here at Living Hope. Volunteer and come serve. Invest in sharing Jesus with the next generation. Throughout the rest of the summer, we have the opportunity to simply love our community by serving snow cones and popcorns with a smile at the soccer fields. As we settle into fall, small group, youth group, and kids' night will return. These are all opportunities for you and your kids to not only learn about God, but to join fellow believers in praying for one another, serving one another, encouraging one another, and reaching out together. These are all great opportunities that you have to join our larger community of living hope, but to also connect on a more personal level with fellow believers. And it's in this context of community that God desires to lead us, to shepherd us, and to move us forward. Make the church community a priority in your life and your family's life. Life is busy, and I know in my life, if I don't put it on the calendar, something else fills in the time. So make it a priority in your life. Model its importance for your children and get involved and invest in the local church. So God leads us in relationship with him. He leads us incrementally, and he leads us in the context of community. So real quickly, verse 3, we see where he leads us. Verse 3 says, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So the first thing is when we can trust that when we follow God, he will refresh, or your version might say renew our souls. God renews my soul. This is the image of Isaiah 49.5 or Psalm 61 of God bringing us to repentance and providing to us salvation and forgiveness of sins. He is creating in us a clean heart, a righteous heart, a renewed heart. This is the beginning of our journey with Jesus, the point of salvation. In Luke 15, Jesus tells this story, a parable that best illustrates this. He says there was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And he says, what man who loses one sheep would not leave the 99 and track down the missing sheep? And Jesus says when he finds that sheep, he picks it up and he returns it to the fold, to life, to safety. And he does so with great celebration and rejoicing. That's the picture of what Jesus has done for us if we are followers of him. We are rescued from our sin. He has rescued us from destruction. He has searched us out and he returns us to the fold. He forgives us of our sin and he gives us new life, renewed life in him. He restores our soul. He renews our soul. When we follow the good shepherd, when we follow Jesus, he will always lead us to life. To life in him and he will renew our soul. We can be confident that Jesus is always leading us to life. Charles Spurgeon, based on the Mark 8.36, on, on Mark 8.36 and Psalm 23 says, he says, what good is it to have green pastures but a black soul? In this world, it is so easy to get distracted, easily, easy to get distracted by the green pastures of this world, of materialism, of stuff, and forget that our greatest need, our greatest problem is our black soul. And it's only Jesus that can renew our souls, forgive our sins, and lead us to life. 
The next thing we see is that God leads us in paths of righteousness. Or more, more clearly, God leads us on right paths. This is such a simple truth. It's such an incredible truth that God only leads us on right paths. It's such an incredible promise. Because we can know that if we are following God, he will only lead us on right paths, on righteous paths. And so if you right now find yourself in a living on a path that has you living in sin, you can know with confidence that it is not from God. If you find yourself on a path that is leading towards sin, it is not from God. Because God only leads on right paths. So if you're on a path that has you living in sin, that is leading to sin, that has you living in confusion, that has you chasing things and not God, then you can know with confidence that it is not from God. And if that's you, get off the path. God does not lead you on paths of sexual immorality. God does not lead you on paths that neglect your family. God does not lead you on paths of materialism. God does not lead you on paths of poor money management. God does not lead you on paths of neglect. God only leads us on right paths. And so if you look at your life and you know that you are living, that you are following a path of sin, then repent Turn from that life of sin and turn and follow God in his ways because he only leads on right paths. This truth is so comforting to me. This world we live in is confusing. And there are so many voices, so many paths that the world tells us are good. But according to the Bible, there is only one path of righteousness and only one path that leads to life and to God. And that path is Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, if he's never renewed your soul, then you can do that today. Again, come and talk with me. It would be my joy to share with you what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through him. He is the right path. And what a comforting truth for you and me. You and I can always trust that God will only lead us on right paths. He will not lead us to failure, and he will not lead us to sin. Now, that doesn't mean he won't lead us on difficult paths. That doesn't mean he won't lead us on slow paths or challenging paths. But he will only lead us on right paths. Let's read the verse because the second half of the verse is so important. He says, he guides me along right paths. And he does so for his name's sake. God only leads on right paths, but he leads us on right paths for his name's sake. That's our final point. God leads us for his name's sake sake. God leads us on paths so that we can join him in the mission to make his name glorified and to make him known. So sometimes he leads us on paths that are difficult, paths that are winding, and paths that are slower than we like. But the promise is it's always for his name's sake. And when we get this, it changes our lives, it changes our, per our perspective, and it changes our purpose. When we understand that we don't just exist for our own comfort and our own glory, but we exist to make God known and glorify Him, then it changes everything. Sometimes God's right paths are full of difficulty and disappointment, but they are always right and they are always full of opportunities to make Him known. I think of friends back in the day, they didn't get into the school they wanted to get into, but they settled for another school. And while they were there, God used that time to change their life or to lead a roommate to Christ. Think about friends I have that they haven't been able to have a child in their timing. 
But that difficulty has led them to adoption and to the perfect child that God had sovereignly created for their family. I think of some who didn't get the job that they wanted to get, but God used the time to save those at the job where they were. Those things aren't easy. They don't seem fair. But the path was right. And God was using it for his glory, for his name's sake. And so for some of you, you are stuck in a job that you don't want. You're stuck in a house or a neighborhood you don't love. You might be stuck on a team you don't like. You didn't get the coach you wanted. Maybe you're in a city you don't understand. But when we get this, when we understand that it's all for his name's sake, then we can find purpose where we are. We can find purpose on the path we are on, and we can join the mission to make Jesus known and glorified. Because ultimately the truth is, this life is not about the sheep. This life is not about me. It's not about you, but it's about bringing glory to the shepherd, being, bringing glory to God. So just to clarify once more, if you find yourself in a difficult situation because of sin, then that is not of God. And you need to repent and return to him. But if you are following God and he asks you somewhere you don't necessarily want to be, then take solace because you can know with confidence that he has you on right paths. And he has you where you are for a purpose, and that is to make his name known. And if you find yourself today on a path that may be safe and it may be comfortable, but on that path you aren't bringing glory to his name and you aren't making his name known, then I would ask you to pause and ask, am I on a right path? And how can I bring glory to his name and make his name known? In America, one of the greatest schemes and tools of the enemy is comfort. He gets us to the green pastures of comfort of ease, of personal satisfaction, of misguided desires, and he keeps us there. He fattens us on the things of the world so that we no longer desire right paths, but instead we desire comfortable paths, and we desire easy paths. And when we get comfortable, we so often miss the things of God, the plans of God, and we waste our lives making our names great, but failing to make God's name great. We waste our lives searching out comfort and ease and miss our purpose and our call, which is to make his name known. We fail to share his name and his hope with the world around us. We sacrifice the glory of God and we sacrifice sharing his name, his hope, and his hope with our neighbors and friends for our own personal comfort and our own personal desires. If you find yourself on a comfortable path that is all about you, then I beg of you to repent, to turn to God and ask Him to lead you on right paths, not for your name's sake, but for His name's sake. We so often exchange right paths for comfortable paths, and when we do so, we miss the calling of God. He leads us on right paths, but He does so for His name's sake. So as we look at this passage, if we summarize kind of this overarching theme, we see a few things. We see that God leads us in relationship. He leads us step by step. He does so within the context of community, and he leads us on right paths for his name's sake, where he renews our soul. We are sheep prone to wander. We are prone to go our own way, but we have a good shepherd that we can trust, that we can follow, and that always leads us back. Robert Robinson penned the words of Come Thou Fount in 1758. 
yet they still tell our story today. He said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That is our story and that is our prayer. So as we respond today, what what is your response? Do you need a return to the good shepherd? Are you on wrong paths that have led you to sin and you need to repent and return to him? Or maybe you're here or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to return to him for the first time. You need to allow him to renew your soul to begin that relationship so that you can follow him step by step, day by day. Again, for you, maybe you're on a sinful path. Or maybe you are on a comfortable path for your name's sake and you need to return to the good shepherd. You need to return to his right paths. You need to begin living his life, your life not for your glory, but for his and to make him known. So as we wrap up, I'm going to pray for us, and I do. The, the worship team is going to come. They're going to lead us in a final song. As you think about Psalm 23, where do you need to change? Where do you need to respond? Do you need to humble yourself and express your need for a Savior, for a shepherd, for a guide? Maybe for the first time, maybe you need to renew that commitment. But I'm going to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that in you that there is the promise that you will renew our soul that you will forgive us of our sins, that you will cleanse our soul, that we can have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would repent and trust you today. God, for those of us that uh, maybe we've been followers of Jesus for a long time, it is so easy to get distracted by the wrong paths of this world. And God, I pray that if we are on a wrong path, that you would make that painfully clear to us today. That you would make it clear to us where we are pursuing things that are sinful. Where we are pursuing things that are of our desire, of our comfort, of our own glory and not yours. That you would reveal that to us today. That you would give us the courage to repent, to turn to you, and to seek you out through prayer and through reading your Bible. That we would seek you out day by day, moment by moment, and we would follow you on right paths. Not for our glory, but for your glory. God, we're going to talk about this more, but for those of us here today that are following you, but they might be on difficult paths. We might be in difficult times, slow times. We might be walking through the valley. Would you give us the encouragement to know that we are on the right path? That you would give us the encouragement to trust you even in times of despair. And we would trust that you will lead us to better and greater things. God, we thank you that we can trust you with our lives, that we can trust you with our moment, that we can trust you with our day, and that we can trust that you will use it all for your glory and your benefit. God, we thank you that you know us, that you love us, you care about us, and you lead us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.